Hi, and welcome on Inside Momachila. I'm your host, Murray Berder. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you all for the feedback I received. It made me very happy. Uh, from now on, I will try to publish an episode on the first and the third Monday of every month. Please, if I can't make it, it's just because I'm traveling, uh, but I will try my hardest. Now, for today's episode, we are having a chat with Jax, who lives in the US. We discuss about her love of Italy, her exchange program in Ghana, Moringa, and the power and the importance of speaking another language. I hope this episode will make you want to travel more and to meet new people. Please stay until the end of the episode, as Jax has a little surprise for you. I wish you a good listening. Welcome everyone. Today we are with Jax that I met in Chile, in uh, south of Santiago, in a place called Poblacion. We're both working in a vineyard at the moment, and um, I decided to have a little chat with us about our travel. So uh, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, um, I'm Jax, or Jackie, or Jacqueline. Uh, I'm from San Francisco, California. Uh, I'm 23 years old, and I am Italian and Jewish, Sicilian specifically, and I'm in Chile, and I've been here for almost two weeks now, but I've been here twice before. Um, I've been in South America eight months as of today. Today marks eight months in South America. Well done. I arrived on August 22nd in Buenos Aires. I came here, or I came to South America in general because I wanted to learn Spanish and because I um, was just finishing my degree at University of California, Santa Cruz. Um, I decided that at the very end of my degree, I wanted to extend my schooling for an extra semester and study abroad um, for the second time in college and the third time in my life. Um, so I did a program, an intensive Spanish program, which really wasn't very intensive, but three days a week, four, day, four, four hours a day, we studied Spanish, and that was for three and a half months. And I actually came here with two of my best friends who I lived with for two years in Santa Cruz. Um, it was my idea, actually, to go to study abroad. And then they thought it was a really cool idea. And they joined me, which was great. Um, and then after that, I knew that I wanted to stay um, in South America for at least 10 months, thinking between 10 and 14 months was kind of my idea before I left. Um, so. I started traveling after this program and I went from Buenos Aires to Chile, to Santiago, then flew to Peru. I was in Peru for three weeks. Then I went back down to Chile, spent three weeks in Pichilemu, which is just an hour from here and a different work away at a hostel. Then flew to Rio de Janeiro for Carnival. I was in Rio for a week. Then Took a long bus to Campo Grande, where my friend's friend lives, Sao Paulo for two and a half weeks, down Florinopolis, and took buses from Sao Paulo back down to through Uruguay, to Buenos Aires, and then back to Chile, to back to exactly where I was two months before. So that's been my route so, the, so far. And my Spanish, I didn't speak any Spanish before, and now I speak Spanish. I have a lot to learn, but I totally, I totally speak it, which is really, really cool. Feels good that I can. 
Um, but that mostly is because I studied Italian for most of my life. And I used to speak Italian. It's still in there. But at the moment, it's more, it's behind my Spanish. So, and that's okay because I'm just going to work on Spanish. And then in the future, when I go back to Italy, then I'll speak Italian. And hopefully I'll keep my Spanish that, at that point. Mommy, what did you study? So um, at Santa Cruz, well, in high school, I studied uh, visual arts. So I went to a, um, an art school called School of the Arts. But now, now it's called Ruth Azawa San Francisco School of the Arts. Ruth Azawa is a really amazing local artist. And anyway, I did visual arts, so mostly drawing and painting, um, some sculpture, some photography. And then um, I went to UC Santa Cruz, where I studied environmental studies and Italian. I also studied Italian in high school and middle school and elementary school. That was two years of environmental studies and Italian studies. And then I studied uh, for a year abroad in Ghana. And there I studied environmental studies, African studies, and a little bit of Chi, which is the most common native language of Ghana. One of 77 native languages in Ghana. And Ghana's a small country. There's, it's pretty incredible. I never really was able to have a conversation in Chi, but I could go to the market and ask for things and laugh as they all thought it was so funny that a gringa could speak a little Chi. But in Ghana, gringa is obruni. That's, that's what you call white people, obruni, not gringos. Gringos is mainly for South America. Yes, yes. And normally more uh, towards Americans. I guess so. Europeans. But they're still white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just, just a different name huh. for other people. So um, what's exactly your first travel memory? The first time I left the country, I think, was when I went to Europe with my family for my uncle's wedding to a wonderful Danish woman named Randy. Um, and we traveled from Italy through um, Germany up to, uh, and through France up to Denmark. Um, and the very first night, it's a very memorable night because my first night in Venice, I got my period for the first time. <laughs> so that's a pretty memorable time. My family's way of traveling is having a destination when you arrive and having a destination when you leave and planning wherever else you go along the way um, while you're traveling. So we that that brings cool and interesting adventures and also stress. But no matter when you travel, there's going to be stress and there's going to be confusion. So it's I like the idea of traveling that way because then you don't have expectations about where you will be and you don't have to worry about making certain dates to certain places. Um, so that's kind of how I try to travel generally on my own and um, without my parents at least. Although I do like to plan, so it's kind of a balance of that. But my first time traveling alone when I went to Italy to study abroad for the first time in high school for the summer. I had spent two years studying Italian in high school, and in the summer, I went with my Italian teacher to um, Siena, and I stayed with the host family, with one of my best friends, too, also came with me, and we spent a little over a month in Siena, and we traveled around Tuscany. Um, I was more independent. It was really kind of a wild thing, but um, I was one of the better students at Italian in the class, so... I picked it up pretty well, and I met really cool people that I still keep in touch with sometimes. 
out of that experience, um, earlier we said to think about some stories um, that I could tell. And I have a very good story because uh, when I was in Italy, the very end of my trip, we went to Cinque Terre with my professor and my fellow students. There's five girls. And we were swimming. We had just arrived. We were swimming in the sea, Mediterranean Sea, which is my favorite body of water. And I, I fucking love it. And we're swimming out there. We're like kind of far out. We bought a floaty. You know, we can't stand. We're just like swimming about. And then suddenly I have this really bad pain all over my torso. And it really, it's like really, really hurts. I can barely move my arms. And my first thought is like porcupine because it felt like I was being stabbed a bunch by little needles. But of course, I'm in the Mediterranean Sea. So I, my second thought is, oh, jellyfish. So I'm in a lot of pain and my friends, none of them get stung, but they help me onto the raft and help me bring me to shore. And I'm covered like I have on my wrist, on my upper arm, below my left boob, all across and all on my right armpit arm area. Um, the other lifeguard who's supposed to put vinegar on my stings, he's like, oh, Madonna, Madonna, which is like, oh, holy shit. Like, that's kind of serious. So then I walk back to my hotel room. I'm standing. My, my arms are kind of out because I can't really keep my arms down because it's too painful I get to my hotel room I have to like rip my top off because it's my bathing suit top because it's interfering with the sting and it's really hurting uh, starts out with one guy who works at the, ho- at the hotel trying to calm me down and help me and they have to call for a doctor and by the end there's like 10 people surrounding me and I'm on my knees in pain rocking back and forth yelling in pain and there's all these people trying to help me I'm also topless I'm just like screaming in pain. And then finally a doctor comes and tells me to take the hottest shower I can stand. So I get in the shower and I'm in a lot of pain still. And then finally that is when my professor comes after about an hour of me being stung. She went off somewhere. I don't know. She says, you know, it kind of had to be you that got stung because you're the most adventurous of, of the girls, of all, of all the people traveling. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's a really nice thing to say while I'm in crazy pain in the shower in boiling hot water. I get a shot of cortisone to make sure in case I'm allergic. Then I get some pills and I rest and it gets better the next day. It hurts, but it's not that bad. And as I say, I really fucking love the Mediterranean. And so, and I love swimming. That is something that, so I'm like, I'm not going to not swim in the Mediterranean because I got stung yesterday because fuck that. I love being in it. So I went back and I swam more and I kept swimming all day, swam the next day after that, and I didn't get stung again. So that's good. Um, But then I left my group. They went home and I went to Istanbul for a week by myself. But um, I was staying with my grandmother's young roommate's friend. And throughout the week, it got worse and worse. And my my sting started oozing a little bit and was flaky and itchy. Um, but there was the time difference was complete opposite time differences. So it was hard for me to contact my family. In the end, I didn't go to the doctor. I bought some weird cream to put it on it. Uh, and I decided to wait before I got until I got back because it was only a week. I get home. And then I get home on 4th of July, which is the Independence Day in the U.S., so it's kind of a big deal. And um, I arrive, my parent, my mom, 
comes in with one of my best friends and we go straight from the airport to the emergency room. Yeah, so we go there and the nurse comes and sees my sees my um sting and is like uh shocked and kind of steps back and at this point all these little I had these little bumps all over here. Those were all bright blue. The light blue color. So, I get Dr. Combs, I get two huge shots of antibiotics with numbing in both of my thighs at the same time. They take me home. The next day I come back to the exact same thing, two huge shots of antibiotics in my legs. And then I want antibiotics for 15 days after that. And now it's five years later and I still have this scar. And you can see a little bit here, but it's pretty much gone here. People think, people make their all their assumptions about what happened, uh, but no one thinks it's a jellyfish until I tell them. <laughs> Why do you exactly travel? Because you, I think you got the taste starting with your parents. But mm -hmm. for you, what, what does it bring you? Uh, I travel because I know how limited my view of the world is. And I want to see things from others, other perspectives. I want to be able to talk to people in different languages. Uh, I love eating different kinds of foods. I love being where I don't know and don't understand and can learn and want to learn because it's so easy to stay in where you're from and from, from for me to stay in San Francisco a place full of privilege a place that's so comfortable where you can have anything you want really I mean it's just life is so much easier for a white woman in San Francisco who is from there that I wanted to know, I want to know how other people live and what other people think and how things go to their places because I know what it's like in California, but I don't know how do women experience one thing that I experience in another place. Um, I particularly like to know about the experiences of women and you just meet amazing people and amazing stories and it's really, it's just so valuable for you to, in anything you don't, in do in life, to know more about other places and other people and how your experience is not the only experience and everyone's context contributes so deeply to who they are and how they perceive the world and if you can know more about other places and other people then you can better judge what you want to be doing and whether what you are doing is valuable or necessary and also I love to make I love to paint and draw and and write and create and traveling is a really great and special influence. So you were talking about food, about the amazing food you've been eating so far. You can drink this trip. Mm -hmm. This trip. Well, I like Peru's food the best. But to be, to be real, Argentina had okay food. Chile has okay food. Brazil had good food, but it's all the same. Like, you always eat rice and beans and maybe like a little bit of salad and manioca and... It's good. I, I like it for sure. But when I was thinking about food, I was thinking about Italy and I was thinking about Ghana. And Ghana is also interesting because so I was there for 10 months. And when I first arrived, we have two weeks orientation, very intensive orientation with lectures and discussions and trips. And just it was so intensive and so important and so incredible. It was uh, the best study abroad by far that I've done out of the three. Um, completely eye-opening, 
inspirational, motivating, unique. And it was 20 California students. And the second day, we, um, one of our aunties, so in Ghana, anyone who is old enough to be your mother is your auntie. So Auntie Sharon, who was one of the women who works um, at the study center where the program is based, the UC Education Abroad program, she made a bunch of dishes for us to try, a bunch of different Ghanaian dishes. I didn't like any of them, literally nothing that I like. And that was very nerve-wracking for me. I didn't like that idea. I was like, damn, what did I get myself into? And it took some time, you know, I didn't really like it for a while. But eventually, I got to really loving it. And I miss it sometimes, especially jollof rice. I love jollof rice. And groundnut soup, which is peanuts, they call peanuts groundnuts, which is fantastic. And also the rice balls are really good. And yam fries with, um, with red sauce. There's a lot of stuff that I really liked that I didn't like at first. But then, like, I mean, Italian food, come on. And in Sicily, oh my god, the ingredients are just so fresh and good and delicious. Oh my god. So, the food that I have eaten in South America does not compare to what I had in Italy and in Ghana. But I did like the food in Brazil, and I like the food in in Peru, too. I like alfajores. I like them, but I have, there's a special time by day when I want sweets. That is an hour or two hours after I've smoked weed. So it's a very specific time. And when I was in Buenos Aires, I wasn't smoking. I didn't buy weed. I had brought some edibles with me. I didn't, the munchies are the, are the times when I want that sweet stuff. And so I haven't had the true, like, deep joy of eating an alfajor when I'm just at the right time for me. And in Buenos Aires, most of them are in the wrappers. You know, they're not, like, on the streets and stuff, you know. So that's not going to be as good either. Well, if you go to Valparaiso, mm-hmm. there is a little guy that is selling it for two fifty pesos, like fifty cents of euros. And they're very I think he just like makes them in his kitchen, you know, he's they're really good. I'll tell you where to where, where to find them. Great. I think I'll probably go back to Valparaiso because I've already tried work for Grant and this guy has the, the wine box, which is this I guess up and coming and potentially controversial controversial ho- hotel, hostel, wine making, wine tasting place. I guess there's been protests from local of people. Of course, because it's very... The, the project is basically he created a hostel in um, in containers. It's really cool. It's really nice. But of course, it does change with the, with the environment of Alparaiso. Alparaiso is a very old city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have lots of beautiful houses, lots of different colours, lots of amazing tags. Yeah, I know. I, I spent one day there, but not very long. So. Yeah, you can go there. There's also some really cool... Um, you know, free walking tours mm-hmm. to Valparaiso. It's quite, quite wicked. Really nice. Yeah. All right, let's go back to you. Uh, <laughs> do you maybe have like a, a top three of countries or is it more the country where you live? I think it's a hard thing to say for sure because in each country, for this trip specifically, in each country I've been, it's very different where I'm staying and what I'm doing because in Ar- in Argentina, I was doing a homestay. So I was with my host Maria, and another girl from my program. When I was when I've been in Chile, I've mostly been in workaways and a few hostels. When I was in Peru, I was only in hostels, and when I was in Brazil, I was almost only with staying with friends. 
So, and then, okay, Uruguay also was, but Uruguay was like a special four day magical birthday weekend. So that's different. So the, each country, the way that I experienced it was very different. And so it's hard for me to say if I have one that's my favorite. I really loved Brazil, but I also really love Peru and I really love the north of Argentina. And I still, I like Buenos Aires. It's a, it's a cool city. It's a really cool city. But if I have to choose, it would be Italy. Italy's my, Italy's my place. But I'm also biased because I'm so interested in Sicily and Italy and Italian and in my father's roots. So, but Sicily more than Italy even because pff, I need to go back there. In fact, I, I was thinking about it because thinking about wineries, thinking about traveling and thinking, okay, maybe after I get back, I'll spend a year or a little more at home. And then I'll spend a summer working away in Sicily. That's what I should do. So that's my plan. But also my, my dad's cousin and his wife, who I stayed with in Sicily, in my grandfather's hometown, Furcisicolo. I stayed with them and their two kids. And she wrote to me and she says, oh, we'll, we'll go for a summer and we'll go travel together around Sicily. So that's part of the trip too. Now I have a lot of future trips in mind. And I always think about the places to go while I'm in the places that I am. Although I do, I think I am pretty present. I think I, I do spend most of my time in the moment, but I still do enjoy thinking about the future goals and future ideas and, and what I want to manifest for myself and just thinking on, on, on those things and how to get there. I think it's a, it's, it's a good way. And travel will definitely help you do that. Mm-hmm. Do you, take any habits when you travel that are very unique? Yeah, so I bring around, I'm someone who needs or enjoys having a lot of outlets. So I have many notebooks. Two, I have two sketchbooks because I finished one already. I'm on the second sketchbook. I have my moleskin calendar that has all different kinds of notes and drawings and things that I want to remember and songs I want to learn and re song recommendations and so I do, I do that, you know, every day. And then I also have my little cuadernito that has Spanish words that I write down. And I have my other journal where I actually just write, write things down. And then I have multiple painting pads that I use whenever I can. And I've been painting as we've been going as well. I use, and I use all of these things on a regular basis. Some of them I use, all of them, I use my journal every day. I mean, I use my uh, calendario every day. And I use my sketchbooks most days. And I'm always on one of them at least. And I just, that's something that I enjoy doing and, and helps me, um, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's a good for, for memories and it's good for me to just realize what I've been doing and, and the value that it has and, and all the places that I've been and thinking about like, I guess it's good for me to be able to express myself in as many ways as possible. Um, cause I, I think I have a lot of energy to expend and it feels good when I can do that in different ways. And I feel, I feel proud for my, for that in myself that I, that I am constantly doing things like that. And I've never seen anyone who, anyone's calendar that looks like my calendar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think most of the traveler will have a traveling book. Sure. You don't have to be like a diary. It can be either you just write down what you've seen, the people you've met, make the mix of everything. Yeah, so uh, I have 
six of those that I'd bring with me all the time. Six different kinds. But I'm very organized, and so I like to have each book for its certain thing. You know, I have my sketches in one, my paintings in another, my, you know, my journal diary stuff in another, and my Spanish, new Spanish words in another. And then my calendar is kind of like a mixture of all of that. Yeah, that's something that I think, that's a habit of mine that I, that I keep. And I paint more, and I write more. So I really do everything more, but I guess that's because I don't have a job or a school. So I have to be doing something that I enjoy that's... Can you tell me more about, about Ghana? Yeah. I went there for 10 months to study mm-hmm. part of um, an exchange program. Who did you live with? While in Ghana, I lived um, on campus at the International Student Hostel, where over 100 international students and national Ghanaians lived. And I lived, <laughs> I lived on the fourth floor facing south. And in Ghana, the ocean is south. I had a beautiful view, a balcony. That was amazing. And I could smoke weed there because it was the far, it was a very, I mean, you could smoke in other rooms too, but it was the most safe room to be in for that. But I lived with um, one girl who was from, who went to UCLA, um, Tala. She became a really close friend of mine. She's a really amazing woman. And I met so many amazing people there that I don't keep, try to keep in touch with everybody, but I do still follow their lives and they're doing really cool things. Like I met a lot of amazing people and I, and I had a harder time becoming close friends with Ghanaian people and Ghanaian students. I still made friends and I, and I have friends still, and I do keep up with them too a little bit, but it just, I mean, it's just easier when you're a Westerner and you meet Western, Western people, it's just easier to click. And also Ghana is very, very, very religious. 97% religious. Mostly Christian, some Muslim. Ghana actually is one of the places where, one of the only places where Muslim and Christians really have no, there's really been no animosity and no violence between or, or issues with them living together. And when I was there, I went to nine out of ten regions. Traveling in Ghana, I'd, I went once to the north, with my program and then once when with a friend of mine and it's kind of hard to I guess it's just hard to explain but those are some of there were some of the most beautiful and intimate moments that I've had traveling and I think I probably learned the most in terms of how I feel about myself and also about how I see the world and how like my world view just totally completely changed after Ghana because I wasn't just I was just thinking about it from the African terms in a much more real way because we don't really know you know if you've never been to Africa unless you study that shit like hardcore there's no way to imagine and this is just me coming from my one tiny little place I went just to Ghana and to Togo and Burkina Faso but my sliver of an experience was such an awakening for me intellectually and politically and actively and passively <laughs> when i think about that time i know in the moment there i knew cuz it's it was a long time and there were so many moments of me feeling frustration or um just being upset or being sad because it was so much harder to not just like living like it was harder living is harder everything takes longer Everything takes an extra few steps compared to my experience in California. 
and that was frustrating but there was just just on so many levels of, of not being understood either because my experience is so different from so many other people but just all these different kind of factors brought emotion out of me and I'm a very emotional person so I know that a lot of the time there was spent in frustration or, or sad but really I don't remember those times because there were so many amazing times and so many times of just sheer joy and bliss and and just feeling the moment and, and feeling you know when you there's there's times in your life when you are able to realize in the moment that you are exactly where you're supposed to be and this is a perfect moment and you're so lucky to know that that is the moment that you're in like I get I feel that I get that I know that I'm always in the moment I'm always where I'm supposed to be but there are times in my life when it just clicks and I'm like wow I am at Labadi Beach in Ghana at night smoking a joint with new friends in the water this is where I'm supposed to be right now or the other day when we were, were at the winery and we're hanging out and the sun is shining and it's relaxed and I'm just thinking about things and and being very open and calm oh wow this is where I'm supposed to be right now and I think I've had that traveling more than I've had um that at home maybe uh, I haven't really talked about Ghana that much I guess um in in Ghana so my classes were with almost all Ghanaian students sometimes I'd have one other uh non non-native or non-Ghanaian but mostly I was alone as the only Obruni um and it was hard classes were hard I think that's another thing that was a big struggle because the schooling is so different they it's it's in my where I'm from you listen to the teacher you ask a lot of questions you're and you have assignments and you have to be working on them constantly and you're reading a lot and when I was in Ghana I did very little reading and because it wasn't assigned and the lectures were all just all that just that just a lecture there was like you can't really ask questions if you ask a question it probably means that you weren't listening or you should just go in during their going to go to their office and talk to them personally because you don't want to waste the class's time with your question. That's not how I think teaching asking questions is how you learn. That's being inquisitive is, is how you remember things. If you're not if you're not coming up with ideas and and wondering about things, you're not asking questions, you're probably not going to remember it as well because you're not interested. So that was really hard for me to get over. Why do you think it was harder to make friends with uh, with the Ghanaian? Um because I'm learning to understand their experience, but they don't understand mine. And a lot of it was kind of, I'm a novelty as a white woman. And so that was part of the relationship too. I'm not just, I'm, I'm not another Ghanaian where they can relate to completely, but I'm this very different looking, very kind of romanticized image of like white people. The way people are, white people are seen in Ghana, they're, they're I mean, there's like white Jesus everywhere. It's like, there was a colonizer it the the image they they want to be your friend you know they want to talk to you they they want to hang out with you and there and that doesn't it didn't come into mind all the time when I was hanging out with them um with different people but that was something that was kind of in the back of the relationship where like I want to talk to you because you're white and you stand out but also because of religion because a lot of them were very religious and most of the time I met my friends from Ghana in classes and in in the dorms so um I wouldn't meet a ton of people uh, beyond that and other people were made friends more easily than I did 
but I think that's something that happens when you when you study abroad. Like this, the same thing happened for me in Buenos Aires, where I was just hanging out with my California friends who were speaking English instead of meeting Argentines. But then once I was out of the program and traveling, then I'm meeting all kinds of people. So it was like being in this scholastic environment um, was part of it. But another part was just the difference in, although I always want to learn, you know, so I would really try and make friends. And I would like, and I knew a lot of people on a basic level, but I didn't really have that many people that I knew that I could hit up. I could be like, hey, let's hang out. And a lot of the ones that when I was hanging out, like we would just hang out and smoke together, which was great. And I enjoyed that. And I also, I think, made more friends, more Ghanaian friends from the friends that my friends were making more than um, me being able to do that. And what was it like when you came back? When I was going back, I spent two and a half months in Europe on my way back. So I was kind of readjusting back to Western life, just being t- so well taken care of, of by my friends and my, my mom's friends who I stayed with. And then when I came back, I remember being in the car, going through the Castro and driving up 17th Street and you go past Twin Peaks. And anyway, I just remember looking out at the houses that I have, I have had, I've felt such deep love and appreciation for the, the architecture of San Francisco. And I was driving back through and I just felt so out of place in the first moments, you know, and looking at these buildings that I had loved for so long and then I hadn't seen for 13 months. And I was like, what? Uh? But it didn't take long to get back into it. And I thought about Ghana a lot. And all throughout Europe, I thought about Ghana a lot. And now I think about it less. I think I probably still think about it most days, but not like I, not like I did then. And I also, I come back and you, I kind of realize that I don't I don't really know exactly what it is, but there's something in that people don't really need to hear your stories. You know, you come back and you think, oh, I have these amazing experiences. I have so much to share and I want people to, to learn about what I learned, but or at least value the stories I have to tell. And you can, they can value it, but it's it was really kind of shocking how quickly people change the subject. When I'm talking about when I was talking about Ghana or the or something that I, that was impacted me in Ghana to make me think new thing, inspiration for a thought or something. It would quickly change from that. So I would say it, and then people would be like, uh-huh. And then no one would have any, anything to say, nothing to respond to me, and then we move on. For a while I was thinking, and I recently I've said this really, that people didn't, I realized people didn't really care. But, but it's not that they don't care. And some people, maybe some people don't actually care. But really, it is, yeah. It's that they don't understand. And that they can't contribute. Like, if I'm going to tell this thing, unless they have some other experience that maybe, maybe it's not the same experience as me, but that led them to a similar conclusion. Or, oh, I can relate to that. Like, then there's a conversation that keeps going. And so I learned, not learned, but I just didn't really talk about Ghana that much unless I was prompted to. And sometimes, you know, when I thought like, oh, that this right here reminds me of that, that happened. But that was kind of a shock of, oh, I can't talk about it like I used to be able to when I was in Ghana with the people who understood my experience. And then it feels good to talk to some of them and know that they know. And actually, um, my parents and my sister came to visit me 
uh, I had a two month uh, winter break. And so I traveled for, well, I went, actually went back, I went to Europe for three weeks and I went to Paris for the climate change conference with my mom. Um, and then was in France and Spain for three weeks before coming back to Ghana and meeting my, my dad and my sister. And I remember going back to Ga- going back to Ghana was really hard because I spent three weeks in countries that are strange to me, but not that strange because they're still the West. And I felt so immediately comfortable and so immediately at ease. And I was with my mom and we were staying with family and friends who are all amazing. And it just was like, oh, so comforting. It felt so good to be comfortable. And then you go back to Ghana and it's not comfortable. You're just not comfortable. It's hot going out and doing something takes a long time and it's a big deal you know so it was hard for me but then I got back and I was so so glad that I stayed that I decided to stay for that I was staying for a year not just for a semester and I traveled with my family uh in Ghana into Togo and then back across and so they saw my life there you know so they though they don't understand the full extent because they weren't there the whole time or whatever do know what I'm talking about and they can really picture me and they saw the room that I was staying in and they stayed for a night actually in the in in the place with me and um so I can talk to them and I think that's really cool and my sister my sister was 14 or something and you know that could potentially suck you know a 14 year old going from like chill like comfortable ass San Francisco to West Africa for three weeks but my mom said before they left, she says, if you want to come, you're not allowed to complain. <laughs> and she didn't complain at all. And there was a lot to complain about. Like, there's, there always is. But she was just, she was amazing. She was so amazing. So I think that was really cool for me to see my sister in that space too. Yeah, we've been, we've been good since then because we weren't as good when we were younger. How do you define a traveler? I guess someone who is away from their norm away from their context I guess a traveler is someone who takes it upon themselves to step outside their context for whatever purpose but except for the purpose of work I'd say I mean maybe you're thinking about work but you're going because there's something valuable out there that you want to find and that you want to discover and the only way to do that is to travel. Traveler is someone, I said, purposefully decides to leave their context in search for truth. And would you have any, any tips or advice that you would like to share that something that you would have lo- loved to learn before starting all your travels? Yeah, I'll pack a light bag because you're going to accumulate. But I don't know, I think language is really important. I guess this is kind of hard to make a tip of and travel with, but it's so amazing when you when you can speak the language of the place you're in. In Ghana, they all spoke English pretty much, so that didn't really matter. But when I was in Italy and when I'm in South America and learning Spanish, and I'm able to really talk with with local people and learn how they see the world through their language, it's it feels so so good. It's like such an exhilarating, beautiful feeling. And when I was in Brazil, and I couldn't speak Portuguese, it sucked. I was like, I wanted to speak so bad, and I would speak in Spanish, and they would understand me somewhat, and I wouldn't really understand them, 
And I just felt like I was missing out on so much of that place. And I know you can't learn all the languages when you travel, but you could learn Spanish or like learn Chinese and go to China or learn, you know, I mean, English. It's too easy just to have English. The feeling of being in Italy or being in South America and speaking Spanish and speaking Italian and being understood and understanding is a magical, empowering feeling. I wish everyone could experience that. That would be a good, that would be nice. But I know that I'm going to travel to more places where I don't speak the language because I'm not going to learn all the languages. Or Arabic. You could learn Arabic. I kind of want to learn Arabic. I'm kind of deciding between what my next language that I want to learn will be. And for me, it would be Portuguese. Sure. See, that, but then I'm also thinking Portuguese. I actually have a list in my <clears throat> notebook that are things I'd like to learn how to do. And on there is speak Portuguese and or Arabic plus Spanish Italian is maybe a tip. Like if you have, if you are traveling and you really want to learn Spanish or if you want, if you have a goal, because, you know, usually you should probably have like some kind of goal that you're thinking about, you know, or at least some kind of hope for something. Things I'd like to do every day are drawing or painting, studying Spanish, reading a book in Spanish or English, taking probiotics and Moringa, and listening to The Daily. So The Daily is a Amer- American podcast that talks about the news. So I just want to be like a very very little little bit in, informed it's like the m- most basic ever but it's something and probiotics and moringa powder for my health moringa is very cool moringa is this um plant that grows in ghana and it grows in a lot of places but it's um this miracle plant that you get you make powder out of and you um you can do a lot of different things with it you can put it in different soaps and and stuff or you could just take it ingest it in like a little pill form so I take it pills I I bought and it just honestly like I can't even say what it does like and and tell you that I'm right because it's there's so many things but it has like a ton of potassium a lot of different vitamins like amino acids like more like nutrient stuff it's just like really rich in and valuable so look up moringa because I can't tell you but the internet can tell you how good it is and that was at the the Institute for the Eradication of Poverty is, oh my god, it's such a cool organization. It's run by a few people and they're they're 100% on renewable energy. They have a, a compost bag that creates gas that they use for their stove. Um, and then they have solar panels for lights. And um, they are growing their permaculture farm. They also teach. So they have workshops and they host people. And they have a kind of little hostel space where people can stay. And you learn about how they do things and you learn about the whole permaculture principles. And um, a lot of the people there also work on um, eco farms and and creating eco farms and stuff like that. And um, basically, I went there a few times. One of my friends, her name was Heaven Edwards. She came second semester to Ghana and she did her internship with the Ghana with Ghana Permaculture Institute. That's the name. Ghana Permaculture Institute. Institute for the Eradication of Poverty. And they do workshops. So they have farmers coming from all over West Africa. When we were there, there were some from Burkina Faso that came down um, that had just been in the creation of an eco-village conference kind of thing. Also from all over Ghana. And they teach farmers these permaculture practices and they teach them how they, mostly it's about moringa and about mushroom growing. So they also grow a bunch of mushrooms because you can make good money. Mushrooms are, are a valuable commodity. 
they're just helping these farmers produce more, make more money, and, and eradicate poverty one person, one farmer at a time. I know you have lots of projects. How do you see yourself as a traveler in 10 years? Do you, do you have any goals, objectives? Yes. I am in 10 years, I don't know, but I hope that in five years, I will have moved to Italy. In five years, maybe six years, I don't know, maybe, anyway, I want to live in Italy for two years and it's going to happen in the future, but I don't know when exactly. And in the meantime, before that, I want to go back home to California and start working on transitioning myself from San Francisco to Sonoma County where um, my grandfather purchased 40 acres of land in Alexander Valley. He, in like the, in the 70s, I think I said, I'm not sure. Holbrook Teeter is his name. And he started a printing press with a friend of his. They actually started in San Francisco in the early 70s. And then, and it was a political and activist printing press where my grandfather was the typeset and Michael Myers was the artist. And he made really outstanding genius linoleum prints linoleum cut prints really thought-provoking they would have um, poetry and they would do different kind of work art with poetry but they would also create different pamphlets and stuff that they would just distribute and they would just pass out to people they, were, they weren't selling anything it was just for distributing um and i want to go live in Healdsburg and i and two of my friends and i have plans to re create and re-envision and re-establish the printing press that my grandfather the press is called Zephyrus Image so I hope to restart that and do, be doing work similar to what my grandfather was doing because two of my friends they're both printmakers and artists and so they will they want to be making prints and like even just to get it up and like shows we would have or workshops or so I also want it to be a platform so that we can invite other artists to collaborate and include their work we maybe make like zines or a magazine or just like a series of shows and be, and provide a way for other artists to get their name out more that's a big vision and that'll take many years but that's something that i want to do in the next 10 years <laughs> before i move to italy <laughs> do you have any any other countries on your on your list that you really want to go um i really want to go to mexico and i really want to go to cuba and I really want to spend some long, like two months or more there. Those are the two that immediately come to mind. And I do, I haven't been to Asia either, and I want to go to Asia. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jack. I think we almost have more than an hour. Wow, I'm good at talking, aren't I? <laughs> Great at talking. Thank you for this. Any last thing you want to add? Oh, I guess I'll say that I encourage, I implore those who have the means to see the world should just could fucking do it because it's something that i think it's probably the best thing to do that you can possibly do if as i say you have the means because then you'll see how much of the world doesn't have the means that you have and that you can do something about it thanks a lot for listening until the end i hope you like this podcast and if so you can leave a comment below I wish this episode made you want to learn a new language or um, even to try Guinean food. The little surprise from Jax is she's now going to play guitar for you. I hope you will enjoy it.
Sunday morning Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning She'd say, Billy, don't you run so fast Might fall on a piece of glass Might be snakes there in that grass Grandma's hands mm-hmm. Grandma's hands Soothe the local unwed mother Grandma's hands Used to ache sometimes and swell Oh, Grandma's hands Oh, used to lift her face And tell her she'd say Baby, Grandma understands That you really love that man Put yourself in Jesus' hands Grandma's hands Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grandma's hands Used to hand me piece of candy Grandma's hands Picked me up each time I fell off Don't you whip that boy What you wanna spank him for He didn't drop no apple core But I don't have grandma anymore If I get to heaven I'll look for 